Good morning and welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you. And can we welcome our West Campus, Appleton Campus, Online Campus, Germantown Campus? Life Church is one church, multiple locations. And so we have campuses uh, where this is streaming live from the Germantown campus to the West Campus, Appleton Campus, Online Campus. And uh, so it's great to have everybody here. I hope everybody's doing well. And uh, I hope you didn't, like, get too much sun yesterday. And everybody's just kind of like, oh, man, I'm just kind of tired and this everything. And Good, awesome. I'm glad to see you at Life Church today. I got a couple comments about my shirt. I was going to tell you, first of all, I'm wearing black because I feel fat. Is that good? Because black hides all of that. I mean, I ate like there was no tomorrow yesterday. And so, and then today came. And so Spanx and some black and all that really helps a whole lot. And then people say, well, do you, you don't drive a Harley. And I do feel a little bit like a poser, just to be honest. I could drive a Harley. Thanks, I appreciate that. But that's from a Harley driver that fell off the motorcycle. I won't even go there. But, no, he didn't. I'm just teasing. But, but I just want you to pray for me at all the campuses. My wife won't let me have one because she says I've got to, I'm reckless. It's, it is pretty true. And so if anybody can have a, a wreck on a Harley, it would be me. And so until the girls get raised and grown and the, my life insurance policy doubles, I just can wear a shirt. So that's why I'm wearing a shirt today. I want to be cool like everybody else, but I'm not. I, I ride a bicycle. Does that help? Okay, good. <laughs> Thank you. That, thank you very much. Um, we're continuing in our series, or kind of ending this series on DNA. Today I want to talk to you about invest and invite. I want, it's personal evangelism. If you've been in church uh, for very long, it's, it's really it's what we're talking about today. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, we welcome you. Uh, this is probably kind of a great conversation for you to hear because uh, I'm really talking more to people that are new to the faith community at Life Church, new in their faith in Jesus Christ. And those of us that have been mature Christ followers for a while, uh, those of you that are new to Life Church or you are new, uh, uh, you're not yet a Christ follower, you kind of get to see my heart and the church's heart for how we view people that have yet to come to faith in Christ and what the responsibility of the church is. Um, having said that, today is one of those, those messages that uh, everybody knows we should do, uh, but it's very easy to forget. It's very easy sometimes to even ignore or even dismiss it. Of, of all the, the values and disciplines that I have, this is one of those things that I really uh, have to really make a focused attempt and effort uh, to do. Not because I don't like it, not because I'm not passionate about it, but because life happens. And it's an occupational hazard of every pastor or minister to become professional, if you would. Let me give you a little backstory. I, I uh, um, you know, I I love seeing life changing people. I, I personally, now I'm not the guy that gets on the plane and everybody on the plane gets saved. You heard those stories where the guy says, well, I got on the plane and uh, sitting next to me was, uh, and before long, by the time that we reached 30,000 feet altitude, that person gave their life to Christ. And then I began to, I'm not that guy. If you ever see me on an airplane, I'll be nice, but I'm pretty focused. Typically, I have a bag full of books and documents, I bring out my glasses because once I hit 40, I had to have glasses to read. I know it's all, yeah, there you go. And, uh, and I usually have headphones on or something, and I am working because it's like the only uninterrupted time that I have. 
And, uh, and so I'm not that guy. It's not that I don't care about lost people. It's just, I, I just don't, I'm just, and most of you probably would hear those same stories and go, yeah, dude, that's not me, man. I have a hard time just telling people I go to church, much less. And, and even as a pastor, that's something. I mean, if you ever go golfing with me and we are a twosome, it's you and I, and then we're partnered with, with two people because they're, everything's getting stacked up and from the clubhouse. And so we go and and usually, you know, you're playing with guys, and after a couple of beers and, and a few F-bombs and, and four holes later, not that I'm using F-bombs or drinking beer, don't misunderstand me, but these other guys, and then everybody asks, what do you do for a living? And, of course, my accent kind of gives me away in, in Wisconsin, and so um, I, they're like, you're not from here? No, and so one thing leads to another, and because I, I try not to say, hi, I'm Aaron Cole, I'm the pastor at Life Church, because me, it's like, it's just this force field, you know. We don't really want to talk to you. We don't really want to deal with our stuff. And, and so usually after about hole four or five, that's kind of what happens. And then, they, and then all of a sudden they began to apologize profusely for all the crude jokes, for everything they said, for everything, whatever, you know, they're doing. And, and, and they're, I mean, it's the whole deal. It's just like, hey, dude, I am not the Messiah, so let's just play golf. And, and you know, and so this is something where we live. How do you communicate this? What do you do with this? And as a kid growing up playing sports, I grew up in an environment where on Wednesdays, practice let out. And if it didn't let out, my dad, my dad didn't call the coach. My dad just yanked my rear end out and said, you're going to church. It, there was no questions. There was no whatever. And, and my, my dad was, uh, he played football in high school and, 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 and lettered and all that and blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's just what it was. It's just what you did. I mean, you, and so, so we, you know, but, and I was the kind of kid that when I would play sports at the boys club, I mean, I was just, I would tell my friends about Christ. I, I can talk. That's what I do. That's about the only gift that I have. And I talked for a really long time. I know you know that. But got into Bible college, and all of a sudden, I'm in this environment where it's just this, this bubble. And I remember going, I am dying on the inside. I went to public school. I love telling people about Jesus. It was just part of who I am. It's how I'm wired. I'm not the guy that's going to lead everybody to the Lord on the plane. But I really believe in what I call relational evangelism, which is what I'm talking to you about today, about investing in people and then inviting them to a relationship with Christ. And, and so I was dying on the inside. So as, as a kid going to a Bible college... Uh, I, in, the, in Springfield, Missouri, which has really no inner city, but there was a bus stop downtown that I knew that there were a lot of people that were somewhat homeless or transient or whatever that were displaced. And so I would go down and I would go by the grocery store and get a loaf of bread and a thing of bologna. It's cheap and pop it together, put it in sandwich bags and walk around and just have conversations with people that were probably going to sleep the night in that little downtown area. I, I would go to uh, SMS at the time, Southwest Missouri State University, now it's Missouri State University, and walk Fraternity Row and Sorority Row on Saturday mornings because I needed to smell the alcohol and the vomit from the parties from the night before and see the kids that were passed out to remember that the little world that I lived in, this little Christian college that I went to that everybody was so nice, that's not how people live. And that Jesus didn't come and die for Central Bible College. He came and died for that kid, that 19-year-old girl that was passed out, that if her daddy knew she was there, he would come to her rescue. And something inside of me revs up when I talk about this. But it's something that I have to fight even today. 
It's something that as this church gets larger, that we have to fight even today at every campus and in every conversation to not forget that it's not about buildings. It's not about steeples and stained glass. It's not about budgets. It's not about missions. It's about lost, hurting people. And I think we all struggle with this. So today, I just want to take a few moments for us to, to, to really evaluate for ourselves, you for yourself. I'm going to talk to us as a congregation, one church, multiple locations, about this subject. Now, anytime I'm, I'm an evaluator, so I'm constantly evaluating things in my life. I believe in tweaking. I don't literally do paradigm shifts. I think you can kind of get emotional whiplash trying to do this and that and this and that. But I do believe that you kind of walk through uh, one of the guys that I have read for a long, long time is a secular writer. He's actually a Christ follower, but all of his writings and his, and his teachings were secular. A guy named Peter Drucker. And Drucker is the, the father of modern management. And Drucker says that every organization, every business, regardless of size, should be constantly asking two questions of itself. One, what's business? And two, how's business? What's business and how's business? Now, I know the church is not a business. I get that. So don't email me on that one. But we are an organization, and as an organization, we exist to seek and save that which is lost. That's what Jesus Christ said. It's a great commission. And so our business is Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel to every living creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say that we should go to the highways and the byways and to compel them to come in. Grab them by their lapels. Grab them by their shoulders. Do everything you have within your emotional, relational, persuasive powers to invite them in, to experience what you've experienced. One beggar telling another beggar where to find food. That's our business. And I don't think anybody at Life Church would argue with the fact that we need to lead life Lead, lead, lead lost people, sinners, people far away from God, people that have yet to meet Jesus, that it's our responsibility to lead them, at least to meet him. I can't make you serve him or accept him. I, I can't do that. You can't do that. A person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. But I can introduce you. I can facilitate the connection. But it's not the responsibility of lost people just to wander into our gatherings, just to wander into our churches, just to wander into our small groups, just to wander into our lives. That's not their responsibility. So are we doing it? Are we living out the Great Commission as a church and as an individual? Because we give an account as a church. I will give an account before God for that. Don't worry about me having accountability in that area. I will have the biggest accountability of my life. Because I'll be accountable first for Aaron. Secondly, for how I loved my wife and how I led my daughters. And thirdly, I'll give an account for every word that I say on this platform. Drucker's second question is, is how's business? If your business is to seek and save that which is lost, if your business is a great commission, how are we doing on that? How am I doing as, as a Christ follower? And how are we doing as a, as a, as a, as a congregation? 
And when you think about that, I know some people say, well, man, we got multiple campuses. We just launched a campus in Appleton in, in the spring, and it's doing well. We're, we're building buildings, and, 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 and missions giving is up, and, and I'm happy, and my family seems happy. My kids seem happy. We're, we're all relatively happy. And, and, but are lost people finding Jesus? Are lost people connecting with Christ? Are we, as a church, who our mission is to seek and save that which is lost. Our mission isn't building buildings. Our mission isn't helping church people find a good church. Our mission is to seek and save that which is lost. How are we doing? Let me ask you a question for you just to simply ask yourself. Have you in the last 90 days invited one person to meet Jesus or one person to Life Church where they have an exposure or an opportunity to meet him? You know, man, Aaron, I mean, things are busy right now. and It's been summertime. It was a cold winter. I get it. Kids getting back into school. Things are happening. Things are going on. You know, just trying to get back into the rhythm of things. You know, give me a little time. I, I get it. But I'm telling you, every day people are going to eternity without Christ in our city, in our state. And Appleton and the Fox Valley uh, along the 94 corridor and Waukesha County and, and Ozaki County and Milwaukee County and Washington County. And they're crying out. And the local mall, Fox Valley Mall, they're not there to save them. Starbucks, that's not there. That's not Howard Schultz, the CEO. That's not the mission of the organization. Walmart, Target, we all go there. We love it. It's not their calling. Whose is it? It's ours. It's ours. What are we doing about it? Let me show you this to kind of illustrate Drucker's point about what's business and how's business. And we really saw this in living color at Mitchell International Airport this week and in Chicago at both Midway and O'Hare. What if airports had no airlines taking off? They would be out of business. Yes, but Aaron, what if they were selling tickets in record numbers and they had long lines of people checking in baggage and they had the friendliest TSA personnel known to man? That'd be a miracle. But their, their shops were filled with shoppers and their ser food services were selling a record volume and the airplanes were the cleanest they'd ever been. If planes are not taking off with passengers, if planes are not landing with passengers, no matter what else is happening, they would be out of business. The business world never defines success as self-maintenance. They never define success as we, we met the same quota this quarter that we did last quarter, this year as last year. No, the business world measures success every single quarter because its stockholders are holding them accountable for, what, for, the, for the fact that they want an, a return onto their investment. Yet we as a local church, we who really believe that life and death, not dollars and cents, are really at stake, we as Christ followers, we as churches go year after year, month after month, decade after, after decade, without holding ourselves accountable, without ever measuring the business of redemption, without careful examination and changes that lead to success in this area. Life Church, Aaron Cole, are you really living and leading out this mission of, of going into all the world, of living life upward in worship unto God, inward in commitment unto Jesus, and outward in evangelism to people that have yet heard the message? Are we really seeing life change? Not money, not buildings, not new camp. Are we really seeing life change? Now, I'm not yelling at you. 
I'm preaching to myself as well because I have a leadership axiom that I live by. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And if we are not doing it, it's because I'm not leading correctly. If we are not doing it, it's because something's wrong here. And I think retrospectively, I think I evaluate introspectively, and I, and I look at the church, the church, the church universal, at the mindset that we have. More people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ than ever before in the history of mankind. More Christian books are written today than ever in the history. Because of the internet, or the intranet, as my mom calls it, because of that, we have more access to the greatest preaching. I, mean, I can give you 20 guys that I listen to that I would recommend you listen to because, I man, I don't even, I, as, as John the Baptist said of Jesus, I'm not worthy to hold their shoes. I mean, these guys are phenomenal. We have more, but yet we're more lost. And yet what I hear from the church, not Life Church, but from the church, is we want more for us. We want more for us. We want more for us. I want to be fed. I want to be fed. It, it, it really reminds me of the physical food epidemic that takes place in the world in which we live. And the first world world which you and I live in, princess problems, right? Hashtag. We have so much food. We have so much waste that we could feed the entire world. The food supply in the world is not a problem. Because of reciprocity, which is, which is all part of how God created this world. That we have enough, but yet it's disproportionately appropriated to certain people to have and to other people that are dying without it. Same is true of the gospel. I mean, look, I can feed you for a day, but you're going to die. This body is going. This, this, from dust I came and to dust I'll return. But your spirit lives on. And I'm all for humanitarian aid. I, I, I'm, I'm all for feeding people. I'm all for helping people. We do that as a church. Locally, we partner with great organizations throughout the state of Wisconsin, as well as internationally. But the reality is, is that we say we want more and more and more and more and more. And yet we have so much. I'm just going to be honest with you. Church is starting in Milwaukee. And here's our tagline. We're a church for church people. If you've been hurt in church, we're a church for you. In essence, if you don't like the church, if it's not in we're focused enough to meet your needs. We as a church are here to meet your needs. Because we feel like the church has abandoned church people. I look at Life Church when I think about this. How are we doing? Maybe better, maybe not. Received an email from someone uh, that just recently who's leaving their family, they're leaving the church. Well, let me say this, two things. Number one, anytime something is sent to me, uh, if it's ever not signed, it never gets to me. It just doesn't. I, I, I think that's cowardly, and I, I have no time for that. But if something's sent to me, it's always kept in confidence, meaning I do not divulge information 
especially someone. And I respect the fact that where you go to church is very personal. I get that. And I also believe that as God led you here, he may be leading you somewhere else. God led Tammy and I here from another church. And so I'm not shooting at that. And if you do feel like it's better for you and your family to go someplace else, man, God bless you. If, and I mean this with all sincerity. If I can help you, I'll help you. I have great friends in this area that I highly recommend. If Life Church isn't working for you, Mike Balenci at Northbrook is a phenomenal computer, com- communicator and is doing great things. Jason Esposito had coffee with him a week ago over at Crossway, a phenomenal church. He's finishing his doctorate from Bethel Seminary on the power of cultural transformation. Within. He's done an amazing job. I can just go on and on and on and on and on. So I have no problem with people leaving or coming. And in a growing church, and the larger the church gets, the more that happens. That's just, that's just part of it. So, so I'm, not, I'm not like drinking any haterade on this, okay? I just want you to know that. But what bothered me wasn't the fact that they were leaving. I was honored that they sent an email to communicate that. Because then I don't want to bug anybody. And at the same time, I don't want anybody to be like, where did they go? What happened? But it was what they said that bothered me. Basically, we're tired of church being about lost people. We're tired of investing our dollars. Like I'm a 401k or Roth IRA plan. And not getting the return personally that we want to get. Because we're not being fed. And these people were mature or thought they were mature Christ followers. At that point, I wanted to email them about the other church in town that was, growing, that was happening. Saying, hey, you know, maybe this is a church for you. I'm sorry, I just... I couldn't help myself. But it all speaks to where our spiritual appetites are. It all speaks about what do we want to hear. And to be honest with you, in over a decade, overall at Life Church, our passion levels are flat. The life change levels are flat. Why? I, I've got some ideas. And again, if I'm, if I'm going to really deal with anybody, I'm going to deal with me. Because I'm the leader. I'm the, the, the spiritual. I, I'm... I'm the pastor, so maybe I'm jacked up. Maybe, maybe there's something here. I don't know. Maybe we've, we've come comfortable. Maybe, and I think comfort is the greatest enemy that we face. I don't think it's a devil. <laughs> I think it's just being comfortable. Of every campus that we have, Appleton, those of you that are Appleton campus, you're on fire. I mean, you, there, is a, there, there is a growth and a desperation and a passion that I sense every time I'm on that campus. Every time I get a report, every time I see what's going on, when I talk to Sean and Jen Reisenbeekler, our campus pastors there, there, there is a passion there. And the reason why I think that is is because Appleton is where Germantown campus was 10 years ago. If you don't grow, if you don't reach people, you're going to close your doors. If you don't move ahead, there, there's nowhere back. Your back's against the wall, and, and you, you want to keep reaching people. You want to keep growing. You know that's what you're called to do. So everybody begins to think, and I see this at Appleton. They begin to think, who do I know that's not going to church? Who do I know that's lost and far away from God? Who can I invite? So there's this passion in inviting. There's people that are coming to faith in Christ. There's this healthy robustness. When I look at Germantown, I think to a certain degree, we've kind of, we've got a new building. Got new facilities. We're kind of like the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation. We're rich and increased with wealth, and we have need of nothing. West Campus, 
Maybe it's a transition of a campus pastor. I think everybody at West Campus, those of you at West Campus, I think you love one another and you, you have a great, man, a great community, a great kind of, to use a Greek word, koinonia or fellowship that's going on there. It, but I think some, to some degree, if it grows, it grows. If it doesn't, it doesn't. We, we don't want not people to come, but I don't know that I'm really going to invest a whole, whole, whole lot. And What's the solution? How do we deal with this? Well, I'm a big believer in going back to what does the Bible say? Because we know what our business is, and we look at how business is going, and it's okay, but it's not robust. It's really not what it needs to be. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn me to the book of John, John chapter 1. I'm going to wrap up. John chapter 1, the, the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen for you. Verse 40 through 42. This is a, a time where what's happening here is Jesus is beginning to assemble the 12, the disciples. And John is writing this. Verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard John's, speaking of John the Baptist, was speaking of Jesus, John's witness. And Andrew followed Jesus. The first thing he did after finding where Jesus lived was to go find his own brother, Simon, Peter, and to tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ. Look at the next statement. And immediately he, Andrew, led him, Peter, to Jesus. This that we see in Scripture is where we kind of get the whole strategy at Life Church for personal evangelism with, that we call invest and invite. Investing and inviting. This isn't new. Andrew meets Jesus. Andrew is not a major player. When you look at church history, <clears throat> he's one of the 12, but he's not part of the inner, inner circle of Peter, James, and John. He, he, he's doesn't lead a significant work after the death of Christ. We, we don't know a ton about him, but what we do know is that he's Peter's brother. That's what we know. Now, we know Peter is the one who is going to be a major player in leading the birth of the New Testament church. We know that it's Peter and that it's Paul. These are the two guys that are, gonna, that are going to lead the revolution to change the world. It's going to be Peter who is going to, 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 to be, he is so passionate. He's so out there. He, he gets himself into trouble. His, his mouth writes checks that he can't cash half the time. And Jesus has to constantly, constantly bring him in. But it's Peter that's willing to get out of the boat and walk on the water. It's Peter that was there in the Garden of Gethsemane when, 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 the, when the soldiers come in to take Jesus that takes out the sword and he slices off the ear of Malchus and Jesus has to miraculously pick up the ear from the ground and, and instantaneously heal Malchus's ear. It's Peter who is so scared for his life that he literally denies Christ three times. It's Peter, though, that, that walks away and goes, I'm not worthy, and Jesus goes after him and says, but you are worthy. I've called you. You're going to be the 
rock. You're going to be the one that I'm going to build this church upon. And what you're going to do to lead this church, Peter, is going to be greater than anything. Peter, I want you to be the one to lead the revolution. It's Peter that's there in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, as Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father. Acts chapter 2, when they're assembled together, he's leading the prayer meeting. And the power of the Holy Spirit falls upon the place. It's Peter that stands in front of the people and preaches a message. You either accept him or you reject him. We are going completely after Jesus. We don't care what the world can do. And 3,000 people are saved. It's Peter who's crucified upside down because he did not feel worthy to be crucified right side up because that's the way his Lord and Savior was. A man's man. And Andrew is the one who led Peter to Jesus. So when we get to heaven, we talk about St. Peter. We don't talk about St. Andrew. But for all that God will bestow upon Peter on that day, Andrew will get more. Because Andrew was the one who invited Peter to come and see Jesus. They're brothers. Do you have a brother, sister? Seriously, Andrew, I don't have time for this. Man, I got a fishing business. The fish aren't biting. I got, I, got, I, got, I got the people in the market that are running down the back of my neck. I'm about to punch three guys. I don't have time for this, to meet Jesus, the Messiah, to talk to some rabbi. They say this person's the Messiah. They've been talking about this about John the Baptist. You've been hanging around John the Baptist way too much, and he's filling your head with stuff. I love God. I'm a Jew. I'm an Israelite, blah, blah, blah. I get Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you know what? When, 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 he, when he changes the Roman regime and he lifts the Roman government off of us and they quit oppressing us, then I'll listen. But right now, I, 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 I got bills to pay. I've got vendors to make happy. I got to go back to work. And Andrew goes and says, no, 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 Peter. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man. If I'm lying, I'm dying just one time. Okay, Andrew, I'm going to do this one thing. But I promise you, if you've wasted my time, I'm going to beat you up. That's what a brother says to a brother, doesn't he? And the Bible says that when he meets Jesus... Jesus says, no longer will you be Simon. You're going to be Peter, which means rock. He spoke life and passion and destiny. And I think to myself, if we are all Andrew, how many people do we know that God wants to use greater than us? How many people that are sitting there that are maybe dealing with a hangover this morning or they're going to a parking lot to pick up their car from the bar because they couldn't drive home last night or they woke up in the bed with somebody else and they're totally far away from God, but God loves them and has a plan and a passion for their life. And maybe they will be the one that will win this county. Maybe they will be the one that will reach the city. I don't know. But I'm telling you, I think we need 10 more churches in Germantown. We need 20 more churches in Milwaukee. We need people that are red hot, passionate, fired up, that love lost people, that don't care what the world says, they don't care what the Christian community say. All they care is about investing in lost people in order to have an opportunity to lead them to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. If we had a choir loft, I'd just turn around and say, I'm preaching to the choir right now. 
Invest means an intentional relationship with people who are far away from Jesus. That's what invest means. No strings attached. This isn't a bait or switch. I'm just genuinely going to love you. Because love does not condone. Love does not accept. Love is just an action that says more about me than it does about you. But it simply says that God loved me unconditionally. I'm going to do the same for you. And then at the right time and the right opportunity, I'm simply going to invite, which is an, an intentional invitation to someone to meet Jesus. What do you do with Jesus between you and him? If you accept him, reject him, that's between you and him. That's not what I'm called to do. I'm not called to clean the fish. I'm just simply called to lift Jesus high, make him famous. I think the best way to invite is to bring him to church. Not to a church that's all about church people, not to a church that's just for hurting church people. Because if you haven't been hurt in church, you haven't been in church very long. Oh, my goodness. Don't go in the ministry where people go on social media and they hash you to death. When people write you letters, don't sign their names. People leave it on your car. People talk to your kids or about your kids. Don't go in the ministry. I'm telling you. You, you want a nice Christian life that nobody's going to hurt you? Just be a closet Christian and don't tell anybody. But if you're going to go public, and don't worry about me. Don't weep for me, Argentina. I'm fine. This is all, this is part of the deal. Listen, this is the deal. But at the end of the day, if you have a church that's really about the mission, seeking and saving that which is lost, the Great Commission, which is what this church, Life Church, is founded on, which is what the church of Jesus Christ is founded on, I say invite them. When you think it's time, invite them. When you think it's appropriate, invite them. Next weekend, we're starting a brand new series called Skinny Jeans. And I know that, first of all, Chris, I'm so sorry you had to do that video. You don't get paid enough. That is hilarious, you have to admit. I'm just saying, I, I was like belly laughing when I saw it. I got the unedited version, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I cannot believe they got him to do this. They tried to get me to do it. My body don't get into skinny jeans. And let me help you with something else. I will not be wearing skinny jeans for the series. <laughs> just saying. But next weekend, that's all set up. Because next weekend, we're going to talk about uncomfortable teachings of Jesus. And we're going to start with Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We're going to end the series with what does Jesus say about divorce? Jesus says that divorce is a sin. That's a pretty touchy subject when 50% of the church inside and outside the church are divorced. What does that mean? How does that work? Hope you come and be a part of it. And we're going to let you know next week in every single topic. But it's an opportunity to invite people to say, hey, man, if you're hurting, hey, if you know whatever, here's an opportunity. And here's why I think Life Church is a great place to do this because everyone is invited. Everyone is invited. Everyone is invited. Romans 10, 13. Paul says to the church in Rome, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That word everyone in the original language in the Greek means everyone. My commitment to you, the church's part, is that we're going to design weekend services with the investee in mind with the person that you've invested in, that you've invited. I don't want you to be embarrassed at church. I really don't. I mean, I, I grew up in the South. 
Man, some crazy stuff happened in church. Some of you YouTube about it and you laugh about it, and you that's you know, I, and it is funny, but it's just like, whoa, I can't believe that person just jumped in the baptismal tank like that. Hey, crazy stuff happens in church, but that's not gonna win. We're gonna make sure that it's not like that here. My guarantee is that our desire is that nothing will offend unsaved guests except for the cross of Jesus Christ. And the cross in and of itself is offensive. Next weekend, when I talk about the fact that Jesus is the only way to God the Father, they can accept it or reject it. You can accept it or reject it. But it's what the Bible says. I don't get editorial privilege. I will preach it hot and fresh next weekend. But I don't want there to be a door greeter that's mean or surly or or, or where you're checking your kids into life kids and like, yeah, put your kids over here. Or some usher going, sit over here, you know, kind of a deal. No, 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 no. We want it to be an environment where, where, where it's relevant, relevant and it's conducive, where people can learn and listen and life change can happen. When we present the uncompromising truth in a creative way, that's what I'm going to tell you. Every time you bring a guest to Life Church, we're going to make sure that happens to the very best of our ability. Secondly, where everyone is served. Life Church is a place where everyone is served. And I'm not going to re-preach the message, but if you were here week one, if you weren't, you can go to online at lifechurchwi.com and you can watch the, the, the message called The Table. And I believe that a healthy church is made of thirds. A third of the people in a healthy church are mature Christ followers. A third of a healthy church, they're new in their faith or they're new to this faith community. A third of a, of a healthy church are people that are far away from God that have yet to find Jesus. Where else are they supposed to go? Please tell me. Please tell me, pastor of the church for church people, please tell me. Because nobody else cares about them. And for the most of the church, we just kind of say to hell with you. And I don't mean that figuratively. I mean that literally. Because that's what we're doing. Don't email me that I just cussed. If I'm going to cuss, I'm going to cuss. You, you'll know it when that happens. It doesn't. But the reality is the table is to be spread for people that are mature Christ followers. And it's my responsibility every week to, to get into the, to, the, to the life of the believer, the mature Christ follower, and to build them up and to serve the seeker. Is that a tough responsibility? Sure, but it's doable. Uh, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 14, but the solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Second person around the table, the new Christ follower. This is what Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 through 2. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, merely infants in Christ. So I gave you milk, not solid food, for you're not ready to eat it. Not everybody's able to handle everything at the same level. I can give steak and potatoes to this one, but to this one I'm going to have to give some, like some malt meal, like some baby formula. You got it? You feed a baby a steak, I don't care how premium the meat is, it, it's not going to work. They need those mushy peas that you won't eat. And if you feed multo meal type stuff to someone who wants to have steak, it's not going to work. Amen? Mm, don't shut me down, preaching. I'm getting hungry. All right. And, and then to the lost person, I love this. That's how Mark saw Jesus. Mark chapter 2, verse 16, 17. And when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him, Jesus, eating with the sinners and the tax collectors. They don't ask him. Critics never go to your face. They always go to people around you. Who are his disciples? Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And I think they had a real nasal sound to it. Why does he eat with tax collectors and with sinners? 
gross. Look at verse 17. On hearing this, Jesus says to them, notice he's sitting at the table with tax collectors and sinners. Mark doesn't tell us, but when we get to heaven on the heavenly IMAX, when I'm having that big tub of butter popcorn with some cookie dough bites, and there will be no Diet Coke in heaven because they will have no calories. I'll have a real Coke. Hallelujah. Praise his name. And I'm eating. And at this point, this is what I see. I think Jesus is sitting at the table, and he hears all this junk going on behind him, and I think he raises up, and he walks over. And I don't think it's a John Wayne moment of, hello, pilgrim. I think it's one of those. You got a problem with me? Did you call my name? You need to speak with me? Ah, yeah, you do, don't you? Come here. And he says these words. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. For I, Jesus said, have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Everyone is served at Life Church. Whether you agree or you disagree, whether you're mature, whether you're an infant in Christ, whether you're far away from God, everyone is served at Life Church. And I think the last reason why that you invite people that you've invested in is that everyone's changed. Oh, I don't mean everybody gets saved. I wish that happened, but everybody's changed. When you encounter Jesus, when you encounter the presence of the Holy Spirit, you have a decision to make. You can accept it or reject it, but, but you're confronted with it. Not in a confrontational way, but in a way that, 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 that transcends the physical, that gets right down to the spirit, that the Bible says that the word of God cuts through the flesh, through the bone, right to the very marrow of the issue. Romans 10, I love the book of Romans. Paul's treatise to, to the church in Rome who were astute in theological issues, who understood the law but needed to know where grace came together. Romans 10, 9 and 10. For if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Period. Declarative statement. It's not about joining the church or being friends with a pastor or having perfect attendance at small groups. It's not about how much I give. It's about if I declare with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. He is the way, the truth, the life. He is the son of God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross of my sins and rose again, just like the Bible says. And if I believe in my heart that, that is it, what I'm saying is true, I will be saved. Verse 10, for it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. Life church is all about life change. This is my passion. This is my heart. I'm not motivated by big buildings. I'm not motivated by numbers of campuses. I'm not motivated by number of seats. I'm not motivated. I don't even think 
I've been wrestling with this and walking with this and talking with this. Matter of fact, it was with a conversation with Jason Esposito. I don't even know that we're even able physically to handle fame or notoriety. I think it's why we implode. We are here to make him famous. We are here to make him known. Because he's the answer. He's the only one that can fix the marriage. He's the only one that can turn the heart. He's the only one that can resurrect the relationship. He's the only one that can bring life from death. He is the only way. And I think the best way to illustrate a story of life change is by a testimony. I want you to check out this video, and then we're going to be done. Check this out. I had grown up in the church and was very involved, but in my early 20s, I experienced some hurt in the church and walked away. I walked away from both the church and from God for many years, and Chris and Mark moved in next door. We became friends really quickly. We had a lot in common. She was a great gal. Could just tell there was something missing. Pastor had mentioned here and there the invest and invite, and so we decided to invite her. We would ask for quite a while. It took two years of just conversation here and there, talking about pastor's message over the weekend, asking, hey, we've got this going on. Would you like to come and attend and, and check it out? Um, initially, it was definitely not something I was willing to do, but over time, Chris and Mark were persistent, but yet not pushy. They would mention casually the can always ride with us just show up at the car if you ever want to go on a Sunday morning with us and over time it finally softened my heart to going even though that took two years and I received a mailing um, from Life Church about a new series that was starting called The Doors and it talked about opening and closing the right doors in your life and with what I was going through at that time that was exactly what I needed so I called Chris up and I said okay I'll go so after two years we finally went to church together and it changed my life radically in that first time going to church. One thing that stuck out to me the most about when Pastor was preaching is he said, you can't party with the devil on Saturday night and go to church Sunday morning. And it just spoke directly to me. It stuck with me, showing me my, the worldly way that I was living and the changes that I needed to make. Investing in your friends and inviting them to church does not have to be scary. If they're your friends already, you're already comfortable around them. Just take the time and invite. You don't have to be pushy. Just be real. Have the love of God showing through you. It's pretty easy. If they had not continued to invite me, and again, not being pushy at all, but continuing to invest in me and invite me, I never would have come, and I wouldn't be the person that I am today.